This week, we celebrate Independence Day, the 247th anniversary of our nation's independence, declared by 56 signers of that document called the Declaration of Independence. This is Randy Osborne. Worldview Truth. This podcast is going to be a little bit different uh, this week just because of Independence Day and the celebration that we are celebrating here in the U.S. By July 9th of 1776, a copy of the Declaration of Independence had reached New York City. Hundreds of British naval ships occupied the New York Harbor. Revolutionary spirit and military tensions were running high. George Washington, who was the commander of the Continental Forces in New York, read the document out loud in front of the city hall. A crowd cheered the inspiring words and later that day tore down a nearby statue of King George III. The statue was eventually melted down and shaped into more than 42,000 musket balls for the American army. Just to add a little trivia to that, the oldest signer was Benjamin Franklin. At the time he signed the Declaration of Independence, he was 70 years old when he signed that parchment. And the youngest was a gentleman by the name of Edward Rutledge. He was a lawyer from South Carolina. He was only 26 years old at the time. On December 23rd of 1941, it was just two weeks after the Japanese had attacked Pearl Harbor, the signed Declaration of Independence, together with the Constitution, was removed from public display and prepared for evacuation out of Washington, D.C. It was actually under the supervision of armed guards. The founding document was packed in a specially designed container, latched with padlocks and sealed with lead, and placed in a large box. At all, the, the box was in excess of 150 pounds of protected gear that protected that document. On December 26 and 27, accompanied by the Secret Service agents, it traveled by train to Louisville, Kentucky, where a cavalry troop of the 13th Armored Division escorted it to Fort Knox. The decoration was returned to Washington, D.C. in 1944. There's a message that's written upside down across the bottom of the signed document, and it says this, Original Declaration of Independence, dated 4th July, 1776. No one really knows who exactly wrote this or when, but during the Revolutionary War years, the parchment was frequently rolled up for transport. It's thought that the tax was added uh, sort of as a label. It was a Sunday morning early in the year 1776. In the church where Pastor Mullenberg preached, it was a regular service for his congregation. But quite a different affair for Mullenberg himself. Mullenberg's text for the day was Ecclesiastes 3 where it explains to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up, which is planted. As he was coming to the end of his sermon, Peter Mullingberg turned to his congregation. He said this, In the language of the Holy Writ, there was a time for all things, a time to preach and a time to pray. But those times have passed away. As for those assembled looked on, Pastor Mullenberg declared, There is a time to fight, 
and that time is now coming. Mullenberg then proceeded to remove his robes, revealing to the shock of his congregation a military uniform. As he proceeded to march to the back of the church, he declared this, Who among you is with me? On that day, over 300 men from his church stood up and joined Peter Mullenberg. They eventually became the 8th Virginia Brigade, fighting for liberty. Frederick Mullenberg, Peter's brother, was against Peter's level of involvement in the war. Peter responded to Frederick in writing by saying this, I am a clergyman, it is true, but I am a member of the society as well as the poorest layman, and my liberty is as dear to me as any man. Shall I then sit still and enjoy myself at home when the best blood of the covenant is spilling? So far am I from thinking that I act wrong? I am convinced it is my duty to do so, and duly I owe to God and my country. Peter Mullingerberg went on to become a major general in the Continental Army and commanded over a thousand infantry. You will find his painting of Peter Mullingerberg displayed in the United States Capitol Rotunda of the surrender of the British at Yorktown. Mullingerberg went on to serve in the U.S. House of Representatives and also in the Senate. You see, these stories are not isolated. In fact, the British began calling these influential pastors who preached the injustice of Great Britain as a mockery, calling them the Black Robe Regiment. These were preachers of of the American Revolution. The British themselves had said if it had not been for the Black Robe clergy, America would still be a British colony. Many of these churches were targeted by the British because the Declaration of Independence was nothing more than a list of sermons that were preached every Sunday in the churches across the colonies. To name a few of these black robe regiment were preachers such as John Witherspoon. He was a president of Princeton. John Mullenberg, who I just mentioned was Revolutionary War General. Frederick Mullenberg, that was his brother, was the first Speaker of the House. Abiel Foster, he was a New Hampshire and U.S. congressman. Benjamin Conti, he was a Revolutionary War officer and congressman. Abraham Baldwin was a senator, president of the University of Georgia. Payne Wingate, he was a senator and congressman. Joseph Montgomery, he was a judge and congressman. James Manning was a president of Brown University. And then there was John Zubley. He was a Continental Congressman. Every one of these people that I just named was part of that Black Robe Regiment, which consisted of preachers of the day. The influence of the Black Robe Regiment proves how much contemporary America has so misunderstood the separation of church and state. You see, our founding fathers built America upon a Christian foundation. It permitted all citizens the right of religious freedom, of speech, press, assembly, petition, trial by jury, among others. Any separation was to prohibit government interference into the church, not to keep the church out of the government. You see, our founding fathers understood for America to become self-governed, there must be a strong basis of morality And that basis was established on biblical worldview. You will see many of the founding fathers of the United States of America were deep men of 
religious convictions based on the Bible and on faith in Jesus Christ. Of the 56 men who signed that Declaration of Independence, nearly half of them held seminary or Bible school degrees. I want you to listen to the words of some of our founding fathers. People like James Adams. This is what he said. It is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles on which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. And then Sam Adams, he said this, Neither the wisest constitution nor the wisest laws will secure the liberty and happiness of a people whose manners are universally corrupt. Then James Ames, or Fisher Ames, he said this, Our liberty depends on our education, our laws, and habits. It is founded on morals and religion, whose authority reigns in the heart and on the influence of all these produce on public opinion before that opinion governs rulers. And then Benjamin Franklin said this, Only our virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. And how we are in that place today. Jedediah Morris said this, To the kindly influence of Christianity, we owe that degree of civil freedom and political and social happiness which mankind now enjoys. Whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican forms of government and all blessings which flow from them must fall with them. And that was actually the Pennsylvania Supreme Court in 1824 said this, No free government now exists in the world unless where Christianity is acknowledged and is the religion of the country. Then there was Benjamin Rush. He said this, The only foundation for a useful education in a republic is to be laid in religion. Within, without this, there can be no virtue. And without virtue, there can be no liberty. And liberty is the object and life of all republican governments. I want you to notice something that all the quotes I just quoted you, our founding fathers never mentioned democracy. They all mentioned Republican or Republican governments. And I just want to point that out because we are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Democracy ultimately turns into anarchy and anarchy ultimately will turn into communism. We are a republic, not a democracy. Then Noah Webster said this, the most perfect maxims and examples for regulating your social conduct and domestic economy, as well as the best rules of morality and religion are to be found in the Bible. The moral principles and precepts found in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our several constitutions and laws. These principles and precepts have truth, immutable truth, for their foundation. All the evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. For instruction, then in social, religious, and civil duties, resort to the scriptures for the best precepts. You see, a free people must be established on a basis of morality. And that morality comes from a biblical worldview 
from the Bible and Christianity. When we come back, I will share with you where the sermons came from, from these early preachers. This is Randy Osborne with Worldview Truth. We'll be right back. Worldview Truth. This is Randy Osborne. I want to introduce to you a new podcast called Worldview Truth. Worldview Truth discusses conservative issues and battles that are important to you that you will not hear on mainstream media. Please follow, like, and share Worldview Truth with Randy Osborne. Thank you, and God bless. Worldview Truth. Preachers preach sermons that were current issues of the day. Sermons like in 1755 called Religion and Patriotism, which... What constitutes a good soldier? Another one in 1776, Dr. Charles Chauncey preached a sermon on biblical reasons for taxes and what they were not to be used for. Therefore, the sermon was actually a sermon to repeal the tax stamp. 100 years after American Revolution, there was a church historian named Bishop Charles Galloway who went back and studied all these preachers in the Revolution. And this is what his conclusion was. He said this, I love what was said about them. Mighty men that were men of iron nerve and strong hand and on blanched cheek and heart aflame. And I don't think that's the way that the New York Times describes preachers today. But that's the way preachers were described back in the previous generations. And this is he continued on to say this, God needed not reeds shaken by the wind or men clothed in soft raiment, as in Matthew 11. He needed heroes of hardihood and lofty courage. And such were the sons of the mighty who responded to the divine call. And that was a quote from Bishop Charles Galloway. Can you imagine today pastors of deep faith and deep conviction taking a stand for righteousness as they did with our founding fathers and many of them being a part of the Black Robe Regiment? The church in America today has become very weak. Could we actually depend on the church today to even defend the Constitution? How about preachers today taking a stand for righteousness? According to a recent poll uh, by the Nehemiah Institute, 30% of evangelical pastors don't have a biblical worldview. How can a virtuous people be virtuous when the churches aren't? The number one flag that flew on church property across the United States in the month of June, this past June, was the gay pride flag. Do you think those churches are being led by pastors? of great virtue or any virtue. When the COVID pandemic happened and the government locked down the churches because they were deemed quote, not essential, but allowed nightclubs, bars, and strip clubs to be open, the church miserably failed. Very few stood up against the unconstitutional dictate. I know what our founding fathers and the black robe regiment would have done. Reverend Charles Finney, He was born under the Founding Fathers, and he actually grew up listening to the speeches of people like George Washington and John Adams and others. He was actually part of the Second Great Awakening. It was that great revival in America. 
In this time, he saw the church becoming very weak in his generation. And this is what he said. And can you imagine if he would have seen the church today? And I quote Charles Finney. And I quote this. You've got this conflict coming. The church cannot sit on the sidelines. The church is what drives the culture. Brethren, our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits. If immorality prevails in the land, the fault's ours in a great degree. If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, which I might add is very relevant today, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit's responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. When you lay your head on the pillow tonight, you need to get on your knees and thank your God for the black robe regiment that preached truth in their day that resulted in America becoming a free and the most powerful nation on earth. And ask God for boldness to take a stand for righteousness. You see, a spiritual war has been going on for many years in America, and we are now at the brink of losing this great nation forever. The battle lines are drawn, and we must not retreat. If there's ever been a time for the church to hold the line, it is now. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And as those 56 signers signed that document called the Declaration of Independence, I end with the last lines, and I quote, And that is a free and independent states that have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Happy Independence Day. Until next time, this is Randy Osborne with Worldview Truth. God bless. Worldview Truth.